Hey guys, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm Axel York. I'm Eric Corbridge. Hey guys, a uh, few purposes to the show, okay? Um, a couple things as far as elevating your skill set, uh, helping you develop uh, skills that you need, uh, practical skills that you'll use in the field and in training and developing your team. Uh, we'll talk a lot about personal development, growth, having the right mindset, really taking you to the next level in sales, in life, and in your career here at B3. Guys, make sure to check back regularly to stay up to date, get some insider tips, learn what it takes to really get to the next level, and stay elevated. Okay, let's get started, guys. Welcome back to the Elevate Podcast. Here with Peter McGomber. What's um, up, guys? Been too long since we we've done it's one of these things. Long, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah it's so been we a are. While since I've been on here. Yeah, we need we need to do this more often. It gets lonely doing this without uh, some special guests. Um, we're recording today over Zoom, uh, so apologies if if the audio is a little bit off. Um, or sounds a little bit funky. We'll try to work that out in, in post-production, but we are uh, coming to you. We're going to talk a little bit about amateurs versus professionals. Uh, so we did a yep. training on this a couple weeks ago, and there were some just really salient points in here that we wanted to kind of rehash. And, and I like the idea of having a discussion around it because um, I think that everyone has a little bit different perspective and it'll help kind of drive some of these points home. So We'll jump in and we'll just we'll kind of ping pong these ideas back and forth and and talk through it. So get your get your notepads ready, guys. Um, so amateurs versus professionals. Um, point one: amateurs solve symptoms, professionals solve the problem. Uh, this is something that I think we see a lot in leadership roles. Um, you know, people that are new to leadership they tend to try to solve. The symptom rather than solve the problem. So I think the example that I made uh, last time was like, if a rep is, you know, struggling to, to make money, uh, they're struggling to make income, and they don't have like gas money to get to area, you know, a lot of times, the inclination is to solve the symptom. And the symptom is to give them a, you know, 25 $50, you know, gas card, and hey, here you go, you got gas money to get to territory. Uh, but it's really just solving the symptom, right? It's not solving yep. the underlying problem. And that's and that's the difference is the symptom is going to be something that's the symptom is a quick little fix, and and the problem oftentimes is you got to dive deeper, you got to get your hands deep in the mud, and and the professionals, one they recognize that they understand that uh, they're not afraid to get into um, into that, get their hands dirty. Uh, but two, I think the, the biggest thing is, is they're willing to dive deeper and understand that it, it may not be a quick fix. It may yeah. require you to, to dive into something that may take a little bit longer. But at the same time, if you can solve the problem rather than solving the symptom, uh, the end result is, you know, in many cases, 10x what you could have gotten, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know why this came to mind. Um, maybe maybe it's your your super sweet water softener you just bought, but for for your new house. But what came to mind was like if you have like a leaky pipe in in your house and you have um, like 
like my, my mom's house actually has this problem where she has like these old iron pipes because the house is a pretty old house. And, uh, you know, she'll spring leaks all the time. And the right way to go about it, and I've talked to her about this before, is like you freaking rip all that out and you put new fresh, you know, pipe in. Yeah. And that's that's the example is like you solve the symptom, you patch that one little spot, but you're just going to keep springing leaks over and over and over until you solve the underlying issue with the and the issue it's a it's actually a really good example because what it does is it 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 just prolongs the solution right it just prolongs the problem because eventually that those those leaks are going to keep moving forward moving down the down the pipe right and eventually it's going to require you to to do the whole job anyway yeah um which when you think about it i mean if we're not that it's about the dollars and cents here but in the real long term is you break down the dollars in the sense there of how much it costs to do each repair and then do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I much rather would have, you know, done the whole thing up, up front, fix the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's where you get the biggest return as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and part of the problem I think is that it's, it's hard work and it's, and it's sometimes uncomfortable. Like, you know, you, you, by nature, like, I think everybody at the company is very good hearted and good natured. And, you know, when you see somebody struggling, like, you know, even that, that rep is going to feel probably better initially if you fix the symptom, as opposed to solving the the problem or helping them solve the problem. Uh, but you got to do that tough work, you know, otherwise yep. you're, you're just setting them up for, for future heartache for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah, before before I move on to the next point yeah. here, um, I, I want to just kind of end on on this thought with with that though is, you know, for leadership, it's important to understand this solving the problem, but I think it's also important to understand that there are going to be times and situations where sometimes resolving that so that symptom is going to be what helps you get to the end result, right? So you may have a rep that, to use the gas card example that legitimately right now they need a gas card yeah um but you go you give them that gas card with the intention that you meet them in their area and you give them this this the tools they need so they never need a gas card again right and and sometimes we we get so caught up uh with with people that want to try to make that switch and and fix whatever their their symptoms and problems are that we're like nope i can't do that because that's a symptom i can't fix that yeah no, you still can fix that symptom right. so long as your end goal, so long as the intention behind that is you're yeah. working on the problem, not just the quick fix. And, and going back to the the plumbing analogy, like you spring a leak, you're not like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it leak for the next like three weeks until, you know, we, we start this big project to fix the plumbing. No, you're going to, you're going to fix that leak um, with the intent that, hey, I'm going to go in and we're going to strip everything out and we're going to do it the, the right way. Yeah. So, totally good analogy awesome Uh, well hey number two uh i love this one actually amateurs value intensity because it feels good and makes for a good story professionals value consistency because it creates good outcomes yeah that's fantastic i i always think about like um sorry i i um, interrupt you um i always think about like you know my my friend from high school who like you know, tells all the 
the great stories. And it's like, it's just so <laughs> like, you can tell that's how they work. That's how they live. It's like, they're just in it for that, like that punchline almost, you know, and, and the people that like, just grind every day, they put their heads down, like, they don't have as many like, cool stories about like, yeah, we, you know, this time we like flipped the golf cart and did it. And it's like, you know what I mean? Um, it's, they don't always have the cool, fun stories to tell, but the outcome, like where they're at today, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later, whatever it is, um, they're in such a better spot. Right. Yep. Totally. I, I, uh, I thought about a quote, um, actually you and I have kind of discussed it earlier. Um, it's a quote from Denzel Washington and he, he says without commitment, you'll never start, but without consistency, you'll never finish. And, and I, and I love this idea because the, uh, the consistency and to your point about the, you know, your friend in high school, the consistency is not always the glamorous or sexy thing, but it's what creates what we want. Uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day who was, he was telling me about uh, day trading and he mm-hmm. was talking about some kid that he knew in college in a finance class. And this kid just kind of was this, you know, recluse would just, he showed up to class, didn't say a single word, did his stuff. And then as soon as class was done, he put his headphones on, pull his laptop out and keep going on some project. And at the end of, you know, their four years, this, this, my friend knew this guy for four years. At the end of four years, he presented this, uh, this project, basically this personal project that he'd been working on. And he, uh, he had been figuring out an algorithm uh, to, to basically do all this day trading. Uh, for him he had had written out this algorithm and the kid had made like several million dollars in his four years at college i mean it's just kind of one of those crazy brilliant genius minds right he didn't talk about it he didn't do it for the story or anything like that he presented it because of you know a school project but yeah uh, the consistency to do that for four years right yeah or who i mean it may have been even longer that he had been working on it, but my friend knew him for four years. Right. The intensity that is required is huge there, obviously, but it's this consistency of being able to sustain that and keep mm-hmm. going. And then the outcome is just ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And, well, that, and that, that's kind of an extreme one, but. Sure. But even for like the, the average joke, cause like, I, I mean, this, this guy, this kid sounds like the, you know, the, the guy from the big short, you know, that like predicted the, the, the market, which fantastic movie, if you guys haven't watched that one yet. Um, but you don't even need to be like, a you know, 180 IQ kind of guy. Like, like, it sounds like this guy probably is, you know, to see those results. I, I shared with you um, a link. Uh, it was a quick little thread on like how compound interest, like how you can wrap your head around that as a, as an individual. Cause we're not like, we're not designed to think that way. We're designed to think linear, linearly, not exponentially. Mm-hmm. And basically this guy had this pretty simple formula um, to, to kind of summarize if you're getting like, I think it was like a 10% return in the market 
um, you can do the math and figure out that basically every seven years, you're going to double your money. It's some, something along those lines. Yep. And the better the return, I think, you know, 15% return gives you like a four year doubling or something. So if you're getting a 15% return in the market and you put in, you know, 10 grand in four years, it becomes 20 and then another four, it becomes 40 and then 80 and then 160 and so on and so forth. And you can see how like, not even touching that investment or adding to it, just being like consistent with like keeping your hands off of it. Right. It's not, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market Um, by, by being consistent in that approach to investing, you can, you can easily turn that $10,000 into a million by the time, you know, you're 50 years old or something, depending on when you start investing. So yeah, that uh, idea is huge. The, the intensity thing is really interesting in, in what we do, right? Because out there in the field, oftentimes when we're looking at, you know, only a single week snapshot, mm-hmm. we we always want to just kind of be that guy that, oh, he threw in nine. He threw in nine mm-hmm. deals last week. Dang. Um, and and no offense to those reps that throw in nine and and call it good. That's that's a great, that's a great week. Yeah. But um, I've told a lot of reps I've talked to that kind of have said, well, I just want to, you know, I want to be at the top of the leaderboard and whatever. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just going as hard as I can right now. And, and I tell them that's a great way to live if they're going to sustain it. Yeah. But if you're just going to go as hard as you can right now, and then as soon as you get to this peak and you, you're going to jump off, it's, it's not what you want to do. I, I'd rather totally. be that guy that sells two, three, four a week but be able to sustain that week in and week out, then be that guy that can go hit hard and nine. And, mm-hmm. and then I do nine for the month. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we see reps that do that. I'm not going to, not going to call anybody out, but we see reps that do that and they make a great, you know, living. who you are reps, you know, who you are, <laughs> uh, but you know, they make a great living, but they really don't go far. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. You think they would, but, um, and then these reps that do two a week, three a week, four a week. Now I love it. If you could get to the point where you're doing 10 every single week mm-hmm. and having that high intensity matched with that consistency, yeah. but consistency cool. over time with this, you know, speaking of like a lot of, a lot of compound yeah. uh, interest, right. Versus just an intense, you know, single surge, you're going to go a lot farther um, by being consistent. Totally. And, yeah, and we'll I, find there, you know, the, some of these rules with amateurs versus professionals will kind of mirror together. And there's mm-hmm. one, we'll, something we'll talk about a little bit later that will come together with that. So, yeah, I think it's, I like, I think the intensity is important and we'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring that in probably on another podcast. I, I've got some thoughts around that, but I think that, you know, you, you want to keep the highest level of intensity you can go in, but it's so much more valuable to learn how to be the type of, individual that just like throws in you know like 10 a week or or whatever the number is right like if Mm -hmm. right now you're selling a couple a month um to getting the point where you can sell a couple a week consistently and uh, not have it like you know you don't have to shut down the rest of your life in order to do that you you figure out you know whatever there's there's a happy medium you gotta you gotta have high intensity but there's gotta be a consistent um return there you gotta be able to put that level of output out consistently yeah. or else it's just not, it's yeah. not where you want to get. Yeah. Awesome. So let's, yeah, let's move on to, to point number three here. So um, amateurs practice because they feel obligated to. 
professionals realize what happens in practice happens in real life or or in the game whatever it is right and and we 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 always try to talk about like we want to treat this job like a sport and that's why we're we're doing so many like sports analogies here um this idea is is important like if if you feel obligated to go to practice um and, and i think back to like when i played sports and and i think probably when we were running like two a days um, for, for football and we had a pretty intense uh, program, that was probably the point in my life where I felt like the most obligated to go to practice as opposed to treating it as like, you know, Hey, this is, this is a, this is what I have to do to, to perform well in the game. Like this is like what I do right now is going to reflect my actual game play. Right. And I, so I think that's the biggest thing, like with, with reps, they, they want to treat, you know, what, whatever it is, if it's V3 university, if it's, um, you know, knocking time with a manager, um, whatever it is that they should treat that, like the habits that I create, you know, right now are going to dictate how I perform when I'm actually in a close or when I'm actually pitching a homeowner, whatever that may be. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, the game time versus practice time situation changes for the amateur versus the professional, and and that's the thing. Um, I I'm a golfer, and one of the big things that separates amateurs from professionals is how they practice, and not just their approach to practice, but in uh, in terms of you know mindset and and you know obligation versus understanding that there's there's real return you get from it, but even how they go about practicing, right? Um, a pro is going to practice each specific shot, knowing that how will they, you know, they try to mimic the emotions they're gonna feel hitting the shot, doing, you know, putting their pressure on themselves, et cetera. And, and the amateur is gonna show up and, and hit their shots or, you know, basketball, shoot, shoot whatever free throws, shoot their hundred free throws that they got, that they have to shoot uh, for that practice. But the, the professional is going to put some weight behind it mm-hmm. so that they're always practicing for that situation when it comes up in real life to, to be ready for not just the, the actual physical, you know, shooting that shot or whatever it may be, but the, uh, the emotional uh, kind of practice behind what's going to go through their mind. What are they thinking? How is their body going to feel when they're doing that? And that's, that's one of the things that we got to understand with the clothes you know, how do you put that in perspective uh, in a in a house, right? There's a different feeling when you're practicing the clothes uh, and then when you're actually in a house, right? There is a, yeah. your body temperature spikes when they <laughs> ask that, uh, that question that you didn't want them to ask, yeah. right? Or they start giving you, you know, and, and how do you control that? And that's where the professional is going to be different from the amateur and totally. how they practice and, the, and their approach. Yeah. Well, and, and understanding like that, and that, that's a great point you bring up because you can, you can know how to handle that objection. Like you can, you know, when you're sitting in, in closer training with you or, or Eric, like you could, you know, you could learn the textbook approach to handling that. But then when you, when you actually have to deliver it in the real life scenario, it, it's going to change. And, you know, yep. I've, I've caught myself in the same situation where it's like, you know, you're like stumbling through, you're like, what, what is going on here? Like, I, I know how to handle this, like, but I'm just not handling it the the way that I, 
should or that I that I know how to do. So, yeah, that's that's why it's so important to to keep that perspective. Um, yeah. Sweet. Let's move on. Let's do uh, number four. Yeah. Number four, amateurs hoard knowledge. Professionals share that knowledge. This one is this one. is simple, but so important. Um, and it's, it's super interesting. Uh, you mentioned closure training just a second ago. Um, this is something I actually had a thought. I was in a closure training a few weeks ago and, and I was sitting there thinking, Holy smokes. Uh, when I first came in, uh, to, to sales, there were some, some of these guys that were just killers and you'd ask them, you know, Hey, what's, what's the secret? What, 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 what can I do to become better? And they wouldn't share it. They wouldn't, you know, give, give up mm -hmm. their secrets. And I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. um, and now I, you know, and I, I look back and, and, and these guys just, they were good at making money. They're good at sales, but they weren't professionals. Uh, they just had, they had found one little thing that worked for them and they, they went for it. And yeah. because they found one little thing that worked for them, they wanted to hoard that because they thought if they gave it up, they'd lose their lose an advantage edge, yeah. and they'd lose their, their earning potential. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but professionals are totally different. They, they one, I, and I think it's because their outlook is is different. They want to, they think or, and see that if, if someone else gets better, it's going to make them get better. Yeah. Uh, and so they share this knowledge. They they help educate others so that they can get better. And ultimately, as everyone else gets better, the professional is going to going to start getting better as well. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's this idea, like, I, I think people, they, they look at things as like zero sum, right? Meaning that, um, like, like an example of this is like, like, if, if you're playing a, a, a status game, let's say, that is a zero sum game, right? Like, like, if, if you're, you know, look at like, chimps in the wild, it's a weird example, but like, there's a hierarchy, there's a status hierarchy. And in order for you to be on top, somebody has to get knocked down a, a rung or, or a level or whatever. And I think that's the mistake that people make is they look at, you know, they look at knowledge, skill, whatever it is as a zero sum game when it's actually, it's a, it's an infinite sum game, if you will, or, or it's an infinite game where you can create more and more knowledge and you can create more and more wealth. Like it's, you, you know what I mean? It's like, like, and I think people have that, thought somewhere subconsciously it's like you know we're, we're making x amount of money you know as a company and it's like well i gotta like hoard the knowledge so i can have the biggest piece of the pie and it's like no you don't understand if we if we share the knowledge if we help everyone get better the pie grows so even if your slice bigger. doesn't get bigger like or sorry your share of the pie doesn't get bigger your slice is going to get bigger because it's it's going to grow with everyone's um you know contribution Yep. No. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, let's. Uh, do, you, do you have anything else to add? We'll move on. No, to like I said, that's a, that's a simple one, but I think it's important. Um, yeah. And it it just don't don't let your ego get in the way. Like I, I yeah, totally that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I understand that mentality of like, because you you know you want to be number one, you want to be the best, and and you know you feel like if you give away that like secret sauce, so to speak, that you have like. You'll, you'll lose that edge, but um, it is, it's very amateurish thinking like professional, like you're you, like, my thought was always like, if somebody can do it better than I can, like, 
I, you know, I'm going to learn from them and then I'm going to put my own spin on it. And whether that's like, I have to work harder or I have to like figure out something new, like I'm going to continually progress and, and improve and iterate. And so I think you want to take the same approach here. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's go on to number five. Amateurs focus on the next quarter. Professionals focus on the next decade. Um, so this, this was actually kind of cool. I, um, I did a, a short little training uh, down in Mexico and uh, Alec wasn't able to attend and he gave a training uh, this morning on the Tuesday call. And we both said kind of the same, there's a similar idea there, which um, we're totally plagiarizing, but you, you underestimate what you can accomplish in a year and you, um, or sorry, you overestimate what you can accomplish in a year typically and underestimate what you can accomplish in the next decade. And so that kind of ties in with like focusing on the next quarter or the next year or whatever it is, as opposed to focusing on the next decade. Um, it's just like, I, I don't know, there's, there's no example that I think exists, definitely that I can think of where somebody focusing on the next quarter, let's say you're like a publicly traded company and you're focusing, you know, on the, the next quarter's earning results, or, you know, you're focused on the next year of revenue or whatever it is as a, as a private company versus you take the approach of like an Amazon and, you know, you're focusing on the next 20 years and you don't care um, if, if the decisions you make, make the shareholders happy, um, you're making them because you know that it's going to make the company better. It's going to make it stronger. Uh, I think you and I talked about at one point, there's a, there's a, a company, um, SoftBank, they're a Japanese based company and the CEO, I, I can't pronounce his name. I'm not going to try. Um, but you guys can Google it. If you're curious, he has a 300 year plan for his company SoftBank and, and they, they run a, a VC a venture capital fund. It's called the vision fund. And they invest in company, you know, like their, their biggest and well, so kind of a snafu, but like we work, they invested heavily there. They've, I think invested in like, you know, Uber, Airbnb, like a bunch of these, these tech startups. And yeah, I read this article. I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I was like, wow, I gotta, I gotta step my game up. Like, this guy has a 300 year plan for what he's going to do with his company. And it's like the guy, you know, I don't know how old he is now, like 70 years old. It's like, you're not even going to live a third of that like vision that you have for, for the, your company. Um, anyways, I thought that was, I thought that's, that was super powerful. That's awesome. I, I love that. Um, and, and that, that kind of feeds off of a few things we've already touched on in, in earlier, um, comparisons between the amateur and the professional but the this focus on you know the next five ten years uh is huge we we're just talking about you know the approach of taking your knowledge uh, hoarding your knowledge or sharing your knowledge and and the difference it makes in the growth of yourself and as the group you know collective of your team or, or company whatever it may be and this is this goes hand in hand i think um when you when you start looking at short term versus long-term mm -hmm. your approach is going to change everything's going to become more individual uh, individualized everything's going to be you know again handling more towards the symptom versus the problem because you want these quick bursts and when you're focused on the next quarter they're quick bursts when you're focused on something that's a you know 10 years out it's 
it's something it, you're focused on the systemic uh, solutions that yeah. are going to make long lasting change rather than how can we make something look good right now quickly. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, I think it really, you know, everything that we're talking about as, you know, coming to these bullet points here is, is really just the, the overall approach and mindset of, of the amateur versus the professional is, um, is just totally different on, on all, all categories, right? Uh, there is a results-driven versus a kind of process-driven um, thing here. Uh, and that's, that's huge. When you look at the next quarter versus the next decade or uh, you know, hoarding your knowledge or versus sharing your knowledge or you're solving problems versus solving the, or solving symptoms versus solving problems, uh, there's just a, a systemic difference there. Um, yeah, 100%. Number six, let's move on here. Let's keep going through this. Uh, number six, amateurs go fast, professionals go far. And again, if you want quick, quick change, uh, you're, you're trying to go fast. Um, if you want to make an impact, you want to go far. And, and that's, that's the big thing. We, I, my big thing that when I think about this, I think of one hit wonders. Right. Um, and, yep. and we know, you know, we can all name a song by a band that's a one hit wonder. Um, but then you have bands like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't know who the Beatles are. You know, you may not like them. They can't be trusted, those people. But <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's hard to even find someone who just. I don't, yeah, Jan, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's like, yeah, that's just not my, my cup of tea. Like, right. Yeah. And isn't, I mean, how crazy is that, that they were able to create something like that, but they're true professionals with their craft. They're able to make something that everyone enjoyed. Everyone has enjoyed for how many decades. Right. Um, and they, they approach it differently. It's not trying to go fast. They're not trying to make a quick buck. They didn't do it just for the money. They did it because they loved it and yeah. they, they were able to take it far. Yeah. Well, and part of, part of why I love this, this one is, um, you know, and, and we've all heard this, you know, adage, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, I, th I think it's an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yep. And that, I mean, it's totally, it's, it's, it's amateur versus professional, like amateurs, you know, want to do the, the solo, you know, route, like, professionals are able to play as part of a team and, and they're able to build something that's sustainable. And the reality is if you look at anything great throughout history, that's been built, like I can't think of a single thing that like one person like did on their own, right? Like you have like one guy building the pyramids in Egypt. You didn't have one guy building the great wall of China. Like you had a, a massive effort of, you know, a team, to, to do that. And you had, you know, uh, I don't know, a handful or maybe more in those cases, maybe, you know, a few dozen, few hundred like professionals that were able to coordinate that effort and, and make sure that that job was able to, to be accomplished and to get done. Um, you know, and, and Josh talked about this down in Mexico when he was at uh, Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza. 
Janice, I always get that one wrong. Um, but just talking about this idea of like you, like you don't even know who these people were that built these, um, you know, these like Mayan temples, Mayan pyramids um, to, to know that like they had the right idea. Like there, there, there was core beliefs that those people held that were good and, 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 you know, wholesome and, and the people that worked on those, um, you know, they, they went from like, you know, a two to a, a 10 in, in some cases, you, you know what I mean? And you'll see the same thing happen within our organization. And, and there's a lot of people that have already made really big jumps um, as far mm -hmm. as like, you know, their, their capability as a leader and, and going from an amateur to a professional. Um, yep. And yeah. there, and that's, what's crazy is when you surround yourself with professionals, it's not just the collective that, in, you know, improves. It's not just the group that becomes great. It's the individuals individually becoming great. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things when, when I, when I get opportunities to talk to, to people about V3, and when, when, you know, friends or someone who's looking into V3 um, ask me about V3, this is one of the actual, this is one of the points that I bring up every single time um, that one of our mantras, if you want to go fast, go alone, if you want to go far, go together. And I actually think about a, the, the first interview I ever had with Josh, and this is actually what stood out to me uh, the most in this interview was he asked me to rank myself. He said, Hey, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where, where do you find yourself? And this is, you know, this is five years ago. And, and he said, you know, just as a, as a, as a person, you know, not, not necessarily just in sales, not as a leader, not in anything specific, but just as a person, as a total score, what you bring to the table. Right. And, and so I'm thinking in my head, I, you know, what I, what I rated myself. And then he goes, look, I don't care if you're here for two months, two weeks, two years, 20 years, whoever, who knows. Um, if you're not better, then we didn't do our job. And that was so uh, profound to me because he, not only did he say it and it sounds great, but you could tell he meant it. Yeah. And, and I can, I can sincerely say five years down the road, one, I'm leaps and bounds better than I was. Uh, but two, um, that is one of the overwhelmingly um, profound and distinct uh, qualities of V3 that we bring to the table for mm -hmm. individuals is this true innate desire that everyone has in leadership and at the company to bring someone else to a higher level, to a yeah. higher standard, right? And because it's not that we're trying to build these great pyramids, it's that we're trying and working towards, it's not that we're trying, we're doing it. Uh, we're working to build everyone collectively or individually so that collectively we're able to do more. So that mm -hmm. in 500 years, they look at what V3 built, right? Or whatever. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. Move on to we'll the, the next one. All right. Yeah. So What's, it's uh, me, you. number seven, number seven. Amateurs think the world should work the way they want and they get discouraged when it doesn't. 
professionals know they have to work with the world as they find it. Oh, there's a lot to talk about in this one. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to just real quick jump in there. There's a little bit of, um, this is, uh, it, it's not totally black and white, like, and, and you'll find a lot of the most like profound, um, I don't know, lessons that, that at least for me, like some of the most profound lessons that I've learned or principles, I should say that I've learned, um, you know, they're, they're not completely black and white. There's like, there's like two sides of the coin and, and oddly they can be, um, they can contradict each other. And, and so this is one that I think totally can contradict itself because I, I think when you're performing at a high enough caliber, you can kind of like shape your, your reality, you know, like, um, I think the most mm -hmm. common example is like, everyone would talk about like Steve jobs and his like reality distortion field. Um, but this, I think, like, I, like, I think the professionals realize that like, you know, there, there is some sort of like, you know, there's some sort of like system that, that you have to operate in. And there's certain like truths that you just can't, you can't navigate around like, like even a Steve jobs or whoever it is, like they can't, they, they can't negotiate with the fact that like, you know, you have to work incredibly hard at your craft and become a master at your craft. Like, you know, mm -hmm. even if, even if you're fully committed and you're the most persuasive person out there, like you can't circumvent that rule. And, and so I just, I, I want to highlight that to people that are, you know, maybe like scratching their heads at that idea. So so when we think about this, like amateurs thinking that the world should work the way they want, it's like, well, I want the world to work. Like I, I get a really good high paying job and I don't have to work that hard at it. And like, I have this like comfortable life and a comfortable job and you can't have both. You, you know, it, it's, it's binary, easy job, hard life, hard job, easy life. Like that's the one that you can't work around and professionals realize that, that that's, you know, it's like, it's as hard coded as the law of gravity. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's this, your professionals see that they're not, uh, they earn what they're given. Right. And they're not mm -hmm. entitled to anything specific. And yeah. you, you have to work to be able to get to that, that income or that reward or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, get, using one of our own examples within our industry, uh, the amateur is you know, the amateur outlook is this area sucks. I can't, this area has mm -hmm. been overknocked or whatever. And the professional outlook is let's go find some deals in here. Right. Yeah. And, and I love it uh, when I, and I know that, you know, our rep has started to adopt that professional attitude and they're, they're moving in the right direction when they see or hear someone talking about, you know, an area or whatever. And they, they say, I'll go knock it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's because they recognize that they're in the world working, working with whatever they, they've got, but they're going to work through it and, and make something happen. And the amateurs is waiting for something to happen to them. It's, it's kind of, you know, this high agency versus low agency, right. That, that changes their, their mentality there. Yeah. 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 And um, you know, you like, you, you guys want to keep that in mind that like, a lot of the concepts that we talk about can like, they're, they're not all mutually exclusive. Like they, they can have this, this weird, like 
it can be true and false at the same time. So you gotta, you gotta figure out how to navigate that uh, as we're going through this, but let's, let's jump into number eight. Um, amateurs think disagreements are threats or they think of disagreements as threats. Professionals see them as an opportunity to learn. Uh, so either for them or the person that they're disagreeing with. So this is, um, this is an important one because this is, you know, this is like feedback. Like you want to be able to take, um, take and receive, I, I think, uh, or give and receive. That's the same. Take and receive. You should just take and receive it. Uh, you should be able to give and receive feedback. And I think the, the receiving is probably the most important piece because it's really easy for people to give feedback, uh, but it's not as easy to take that feedback and and you know treat it as like data in data out like like you know if if i'm giving you feedback or if you're giving me feedback um to not i'm not taking it personally you know yeah it's it's like good yeah no sorry sorry to cut you off but um that's really important as we were talking i'm thinking to myself the most important thing with with the professional versus the amateur when it comes to disagreements or feedback is is not that um it's not just that they are open to it but that the professional is willing to hear it and and not be take take personal offense to it but also they're able to weed through and recognize and see what is pertinent and relevant Mm -hmm. and isn't right they are open enough to hear it and say hey here's this feedback and say no, that's, that's actually trash. I don't need that feedback or that feedback isn't applicable in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, or wow, I've never thought of it that way. That is a great feedback. I need to take that. Right. But they're able to listen, hear it, weed through it and, and kind of discern through it. And that's, what's huge is, um, there's kind of like a, a scale. I think there's stages where you get feedback and you just completely like, Nope, don't need feedback. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And then you get feedback and you kind of take everything and you're like, Oh yeah, give me all the feedback. Give me all the feedback. And then you get to the finally get to the highest higher level where you get feedback. You say, that's great feedback or no, that doesn't apply or no, I don't need that feedback. And you kind of are able to work through what's, what's helping you and what's not going to. Yeah, totally. That's great. Um, one, one, one thought that comes to mind. Um, and I, I've said this before, this is, this is another one of my favorite uh, quotes, but it's uh, strong conviction is loosely held. And, and I think that kind of does a good job. Is my audio sound yeah. funky to you or is it just me? Audio is good. Okay. So yeah, it's this, it's this. Uh, no, you froze for just a sec, but you're good now. Okay. Yeah. So strong convictions loosely held. It's, it's basically what you just said, kind of, you know, summarize, like you, you, like you're firm in your beliefs, like, and, and, you know, it's one of the, I think, trademarks of a lot of sales reps is they're, you know, they have like, they're confident, they're, they're assured in their, you know, position. Uh, but the reality is like, every person I've ever encountered um, has had at one, one time, time or right. another, some sort of belief structure that like, maybe served them at the time, but like later on didn't. And and, and maybe even didn't serve them at that time, but they were still, they were like clinging onto it. And so if you're faced with like, if you're faced with evidence to the contrary, that your, your belief is off or your belief structure is, is maybe incorrect. Like 
you have to be open to like letting that go, you know, provided that you can find another uh, belief structure that's going to be, you know, correct, pertinent, relevant, and is going to be helpful for you. Like that, that's important. Yep. And that's that openness and that willingness to evolve is the most critical piece there. So yeah, strong convictions loosely held is is probably the best way to, to frame that um, between those the amateur and the professional there. Um, all right, guys, we got two more for you. Rapid fire. Let's go. <laughs> and the professional professional process. So um, uh, this example, I, I was I was thinking about you know a game uh, and. You know, the amateurs, they, they want to spend time celebrating and, and focusing. Uh, you know, the game is, is where they get to have their fun. It's what they live for, uh, et cetera. Um, and, they, and they focus solely on the outcome there of that, of that game. Right? They're, they're worried about the score. They're worried about how do, they, how do they come out and win that specific game, whereas the professional is focusing on the process. They're focusing. They want to win. They're competitive. They're, they're, they're probably the most competitive out there. Um, but at the end of that game, they're going to go back still and watch tape, even if they won and figure out what they did well, what they didn't do well, where were their weaknesses, where were their uh, strengths. And, and that's going to be the, the key to their longevity of success is focus on the process. Uh, and the process isn't just one game. It isn't just one season, Right. Whereas the amateur is focused on the, those quick outcomes and, and that score, that game is what's important to them. And then they get, you know, okay, now we get ready for the next game. Whereas every, sing, every single thing the professional does is the process. If you're a newer rep here at V3, get our experience rep. But adopting that, that mindset and mentality of each door or each sale is just part of the process and longevity of success. Yeah, love love that. Um, just just for the sake of time, just because it's getting late in the evening, um, let's jump into to the final um, final bullet point here. So number ten. Uh oh. Lost you. You're still with me? Okay, cool. Yeah. We, we crashed for a second. That shouldn't affect the recording. We'll edit that out. Um, so yeah, let's Perfect. jump into, let's jump into number, number 10. Um, just we're, we're getting late on time here. And um, this, I think is, it's probably one of my favorite. I mean, there's a lot on this list to, to, to like and, and love here, but uh, amateurs practice until they get it right. Professionals practice until they don't get it wrong. And, um, this one, I, I think hopefully this is eye opening for a lot of people out there because I, I, I don't think this is like conventional wisdom, right? Like there's, there's a lot of these that are pretty, you know, you could say are conventional wisdom, like don't hoard knowledge, share knowledge, like that, that makes intuitive sense. You're not like that, that doesn't hit me the same way as like, you know, you want to not practice necessarily until you get it right, but until you don't get it wrong. And I think that's the common uh, theme for people like, you know, practicing until they they're able to get it right, you know, and, 
And, you know, you look at, you look at professionals in any sporting type of event, you know, like, like I, I think of like a field goal kicker. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably one of the most like simple um, in terms of like biomechanics, you know, position that you could have on, on an NFL team, you know, that's adding points to the, the, the scoreboard. Um, and these guys, they don't practice until they get it right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like you're, yeah. you're not warming up for the game. You're like, sweet. Uh, I made, made one. Football. Cool. All right. <laughs> We're good. We'll be back when, uh, yeah, when it's game time, you know, they're practicing until they do not miss like 10 out of 10, you know, hit it every time, hundred out of hundred, whatever it is. And so I, as, as a rep in this company or as a leader in this company, like you should think about it the same exact way. Um, you know, with your pitch, with your clothes, whatever it is. Right. And we, we talked earlier about like, you know, having, yeah, having the confidence in the clothes. Um, that's how you get it. It's, it's not practicing until you get it right. It's not sitting in closer training, going through one time with you or Eric, you have your light bulb moment, like, okay, that I see now what I'm doing wrong. And then you never practice it again. It's practicing until yeah. you cannot miss. Right. You know, I, I, this, this is my favorite one um, out of all these. And there's a reason we saved it for the last. Uh, I was listening to a podcast a while back with a professional golfer. And, and he said when he was brand new on uh, the PGA tour, he was given advice from someone that said, Hey, go make a uh, hundred three foot putts in a row, go practice until you can make a hundred in a row. And he said it took him three days before he finally got three in a row or a hundred in a row. Wow. Um, and then fast forward like 10 years and he met this young, young player that was trying to become pro or has just become pro. And, and the player said, Hey, what, what, are, what's one of the number one things you can tell me as a, a young professional golfer that I, I should do. And he said, go make a hundred three foot putts in a row. And, um, couple of weeks went by and and the two golfers met up at a tournament and and this uh veteran professional said you know went up to him and said hey how'd it go and he goes oh that was a great drill um i actually just went to 50 but it's you know it's helped my putting a lot but i, I was able to get to 50 in a row and and the veteran on the podcast said as soon as that golf you know as soon as that young kid told me he only went to 50 uh, he knew he wasn't going to last on the professional golf tour for more than you know a couple of years. And sure enough, within two years, that that pro was no longer a professional golfer. And it's this whole idea that he practiced until he could get it right, and he didn't practice until he couldn't get it didn't get it wrong, yeah. right? And it, because we were we we're talking earlier about the pressure and and practicing, you know, the approach you have to practice. Um, you know, making sure you have all the kind of the, the stress and, and everything that comes along with trying to perform and, and peak at, at a high level. When you practice to the point where you can't get it wrong, it doesn't matter what's around. It doesn't matter what objection the customer throws at you. It doesn't matter what, what fans are yelling in your ear mm-hmm. as you're, as you're uh, trying to make that last shot or whatever it may be. Whatever the situation is, you can do it. You can execute. Yeah. And I, I love this idea, just the commitment it takes to, to practice to that level. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I want to tie that back into, into the, the pitch or, or the close. Like, 
because I, I don't think anybody's probably done that. And, and so I'm going to use up as an opportunity to, um, to challenge some of you, you guys out there listening, uh, some of you guys and gals out there listening. Um, have you done that with your pitch? Like, like, can, can anybody out there a hundred out of a hundred times get through their pitch on a door and, and just have it like nailed. Right. Because there, there's always going to be something little, like, like when, when you lose, you know, a door, it's going to be, you know, you, you fumbled over this or your tone was wrong here or et cetera. You know, you didn't handle this objection the right way. Um, can you do that? Can you do a hundred out of a hundred doors um, and, and nail the pitch every single time? I, I would guess the answer is no. And so that's the idea here of like practicing until you don't get it wrong. And I think it's what separates you know, even within our organization, the great, you know, players like and, and going back to the people, you know, where we talked about like consistency makes for a better outcome. You know, it's those people that are, you know, they, they might not be on the scoreboard number one today, but they always hold, you know, a top spot and, and they're, yeah. they're going to be back on number one. It's just a matter of time because they're consistent and they they practice until they don't get it wrong, not until they yeah. get it right. Um, sweet. Well, we probably should end it on your note. Your, yours felt a little more inspirational, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap up on <laughs> no, that. No, that's note. great. But hey, just in, just to yeah. close and wrap it up, guys. Um, the goal is is to become the professional, right? And and you can be various levels you could be the amateur right now and that's fine um you could be the guy that you know tries to focus on the symptoms rather than the problem or or you've practiced until you're able to get it right and yeah that's that's great that's a start um the the beauty of becoming the professional and the beauty of the the outlook of the professional is it's something you work towards and strive for uh, in fact many such scenarios i bet you if you talk to the professional they won't act or assume they're, they're at that level, right? Because they're always focusing on the process to get to, to the next, right? They're working, uh, trying to get to whatever better level they're at. They don't, they're not satisfied. Um, and so keep, keep focusing on, on what your next goal is. Set those, set those standards. Um, as we record this, we're about a week and a half out from the new year. Uh, so hopefully you guys have already started working on your 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 goals for this upcoming year um and we're coming into uh i guess 2020 was an interesting year but we started a new decade so hopefully you're you're working on the professional outlook of what's the next decade look like for me and you continue to to fine-tune those goals uh so just keep keep it up and get to that point where you can practice so much that you you won't uh you won't fail that is a good note to end on uh thanks for jumping on this is great we'll, we'll do it Absolutely. again and we won't take as long in between uh, sessions <laughs> gotta gotta give the people what they want give all them right what they want. thanks for tuning right. in guys see you later